0: Anyway, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to join me in Psalm 124. Psalm 124. If you've been with us at all for the past several weeks, you know that we've been in a series through what are called the Psalms of Ascent. And every week what we've been talking about is the fact that these psalms were written to be sung by the people of God as they made their journey, as they made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. That the people of God would make a journey to Jerusalem a few times a year for different Festivals and celebrations. And as they did, what we know is Jerusalem was situated on a high hill. And so these people would make this journey up this mountain to the city of Jerusalem where the temple was, where the presence of God dwelled to enjoy, encounter, and experience God's presence. And as they did, they would sing these songs as a reminder of God's faithfulness to them. That is what the Psalms of Ascent are. And what we've been talking about each week is that although we are not physically moving towards the city of Jerusalem, that we are all on a journey and that we too are meant to move towards God, to know him, to experience and enjoy his presence. And these Psalms serve as a reminder to us too, a reminder of God's faithfulness, a reminder of who God is and what he has done. Last week, we looked at Psalm chapter 123, and we were reminded of where our identity comes from. We were reminded that our identity is not shaped by what people say about us. Our identity is not shaped by voices of contempt, but our identity is shaped by the mercy and the goodness of God. And if last week's psalm was a reminder about our identity, you could say that this week's psalm is a reminder about our security. That Psalm 123 was a reminder that our identity comes through God's mercy. And Psalm 124 is a reminder that our security comes through God's power. That our security comes through God's power. This is a reminder that I believe we all need specifically today in the world in which we are living in. Because we're living in a day that is filled with so much darkness, so much evil, so much pain, so much brokenness. We can acknowledge that in the room this morning. I think it's really important that we acknowledge that in the room this morning, that we don't have to come into this space and put a smile on and just act like everything's okay all the time. We don't have to do that. We're family in this place. We can be real with one another in this place. And we can acknowledge that life is incredibly painful and we all experience the very real presence of darkness, the very real presence of evil in our world. We experience it on an individual level through things like our own anxieties, our own insecurities, our own fears, through job situation, relational conflict, sickness, disease, you name it, we experience it. We see it in our world at large just this week, seeing the horrifying news that 19 children and two teachers lost their lives to a senseless act of violence, evil, and hatred. That's darkness. That's the power of darkness in our world. And let me tell you something we're consistently experiencing this power of darkness and in the midst of it, here's what we don't need. We don't need cheesy, cliche, cookie cutter Christianity that just puts a smile on and acts like everything's okay all the time. We don't need that. No, we need real, genuine faith in a powerful God. We need to be reminded of the power of our God to save, to redeem, to restore, and to heal in the midst of brokenness, darkness, and evil, the people of God need, need to be reminded that our God is all-powerful. Our God still has the power to heal and to restore. And we need to cry out to Him. We need to recognize that He alone is where our help comes from, and God alone in no power of man, in no political agenda, we need to remember that our help is in the name of the Lord. And that is exactly what Psalm 124 teaches us. It is a very timely word for our day, and I'm excited to dive into it with you. If you have your Bible, I'd invite you to read along with me. I'm going to read the Psalm in its entirety, then we're going to talk about it. Psalm 124, starting in verse 1, says this. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, and they would have swallowed us up alive, when their anger was kindled against us, the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. See this in verse six, blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I love that. So the first thing that this psalm does is it calls the people of God to focus their attention, to focus their minds, to lift their eyes, and to behold the Lord. One of the things that Pastor Josh has said over the past several weeks is that whenever you're reading the Psalms or just scripture in general, in that matter, you should pay attention to repetition, that whenever you see repetition, it's significant. Well, in this psalm, what we see over, we see four times in eight verses, the Lord is referenced. We see a reference to the Lord four times in just eight verses. And what we see is that this psalm was written to get the people of God looking to the Lord. It opens up with that proclamation of if it had not been for the Lord, And then there's an interjection there where it says, let Israel now say if it had not been for the Lord. What we see there in that moment is that the psalmist, as he's writing these words, he's not just proclaiming the power of the Lord himself, but he's inviting the people of God to proclaim it along with him. He says, let Israel now say, let the people of God now say. That's kind of like that moment whenever Ryan Wingo says, sing it with me, church. He's inviting the people to sing this with him. He's acknowledging that this is not just a song to be sung for people to watch and enjoy, but it's a song that's meant to be sung communally as an anthem for the people of God that we're to proclaim this truth together. Let Israel now say, let the people of God now say, let's proclaim this together. And as we continue through this Psalm, what we see is that the truth that they are proclaiming is that without God, we are all powerless. Without God, we are all helpless. Without God, we would be destroyed. Just look at the language in here with me. It says, if it had not been for the Lord, when people rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. If it had not been for the Lord, the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Over us would have gone raging waters. I want you to notice that all of this language is very intense and very vivid, and it's communicating what would have happened to the people of God had not God been present with them. I want you to also notice that in the first five verses, the majority of the language is all in past tense. In these first five verses, the psalmist is calling the people of God to look back, to remember, to reflect, and to consider what would have happened in their lives had it not been for God. And he uses a really strong, really strong language to paint that picture of that without God in the past, we would have all utterly been destroyed. What we know about Psalm 124 is that it's one of the four psalms of ascent that is attributed to King David. What that means is that King David himself wrote this psalm. And so I imagine that many of you in the room know a little bit about king david and so as you read this you can picture and imagine david writing these words and as he's doing so you can picture and imagine him just reflecting on his own life considering the things that he has seen god do and pondering how his life would have been different if god would not have been present with him and then he's encouraging the people of god to do the exact same thing and here's the deal we don't know exactly what events david is referencing In this psalm, it could be any number of things. He could be referencing how God delivered Israel from the hand of the Philistines, a people who continually threatened the safety and well-being of God's people. He could have referenced the, the encounter with Goliath in the Valley of Elah where God enabled him to defeat a giant of a man that he had no business defeating on his own. He could be referencing many of the times that God delivered him from the hand of Saul whenever he was on the run in the wilderness. We do not know what he is referencing, but what we do know is that it's abundantly clear that David, along with the people of God, faced very real danger, very real darkness, and very real difficulty. David's being honest about that. In the psalm, he's acknowledging, yes, all of that did happen, and he's realizing in those moments he was utterly powerless. But he's calling the people of God to reflect back, to remember. He's pointing back to those moments as if to say, Do you not remember? Do you not remember how we felt in those moments? Do you not remember the danger that we faced? Do you not realize that if it were not for the Lord, we would have been destroyed by any one of those moments? But he's doing so as if to tell them, but we weren't destroyed. We're still here. We're still standing because of the power and the presence of our God. He is with us and he is for us. What we see is that this psalm, it highlights the depth of our powerlessness, but it also highlights the breadth of God's power. It highlights how powerless we are, but how powerful God is that in the moments where we are so powerless, God is still powerful. He says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we would have been destroyed. But the implication there is, but we weren't destroyed because God was there. Because God was there. In verse 6, we see this shift begin to happen. After acknowledging all that would have happened had God not been present, David is brought to a place of praise. And he begins to praise God for his deliverance in the past. Verse 6 says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. He says, we've escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. David reflects on his life and he considers the power of the Lord in the past and he's brought to a place of worship. He worships God for his past deliverance and he praises the Lord that in the moments of darkness, difficulty and pain, that they were never alone that God was always near. He acknowledges that he is powerless, but that God is all powerful. And he compares himself, I love this word picture. He compares himself and the people of God to a bird caught in a trap. I think that's just a perfect picture, right? You can picture a bird caught in a trap, unable to do anything about its current situation. He says, that's us. We're like a bird caught in the snare of the fowlers, but the snare has been broken. God broke it. God set us free. He has given us escape. This psalm reminds God's people that their deliverance, their security, their hope, and their salvation comes from God alone. Nothing else. No power of man, no might of an army, but from God alone. And then after this, As he makes this beautiful word picture, the psalm comes to a close in verse 8 by saying, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I want you to notice this. The majority of this psalm has been in past tense, it's been an encouragement to remember, to reflect, to look backward, but it ends in present tense. It ends in present tense, that our help is in the name of the Lord, present tense. What's David doing here? David's encouraging the people of God to pause and to reflect and to think backward, to consider all that God had done in the past and to encourage them that if God did it in the past, he will continue to do so now. If he delivered then, he will deliver now. If he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. David is encouraging them to reflect and remember God's deliverance, but not just so that they'll have a warm, fuzzy feeling. No. He's encouraging them to reflect and to remember so that they can be confident in the present. So that they can continue on the journey that they have been called to. So that they can continue to live the life that God has called them to. So that they can be confident to step into all that God is still calling them to do. He's calling them to remember the past so they can be confident in their presence, so they can continue to put their hope and their trust in God alone so that they will not be paralyzed by fear, but they will be people of faith. That's what he's calling them to. And this points us to a really important truth this morning. If you're a note taker, I encourage you to jot this one down. That God's past deliverance empowers our present Confidence. God's past deliverance empowers our present confidence. What I mean by that is that being reminded of the strength and the might and the power of God empowers and enables us to be confident in the present because we've seen what God can do in the past and we know he will continue to do so in the present because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. We just sung that truth. If he's faithful then, he'll be faithful now. He will continue to deliver. And being reminded of the might and the strength of our Father should bring deep confidence to our souls. I remember whenever I was younger, maybe 12 or 13 years old, my family took a ski trip. This was pretty common for our family. Uh, My dad hates the beach and all things hot and sandy. And so we we always were going to the mountains and going skiing. And I remember one particular year, we were on a slope and it was my dad, myself, and my younger brother. And my younger brother and I were snowboarding, and we were a good ways in front of my dad. My dad was just kind of chilling in the back, just taking his time. And it was, if you've been skiing before, it was kind of one of those slopes that joins up with another slope and goes down to the bottom of the hill to the ski lift. And my brother was just in front of me. And as we go to make that merge, I see a full grown man going way too fast, lose control and just like drill my younger brother right in front of my face. And they go tumbling down the mountain. I'm watching all of this unfold in front of my eyes. I like hit my knees right beside my brother. And then this full grown man gets up and starts yelling at my younger brother, who's like 10 years old at this point, saying all kinds of things that I can't repeat from this stage. All right, just accusing my brother that saying it was all his fault and just yelling at him. And now you need to know, I have always been super protective of my younger brother. That's just been our dynamic and our relationship. But in that moment, I'm 12. And this is a full grown man. And I have no power in this moment. I am utterly helpless. The guy gets up, he takes off down the mountain. And I'm just looking at Jacob like, sorry. And then dad shows up. My dad stops, and he looks at Jacob. He says, are you okay? Jacob says, yeah, I'm I'm all right. And I says, all right. And then dad takes off down the mountain. At which point, I look at Jacob, and I say, you good? And he says, I'm good. And I'm like, well, it's about to go down. Let's go. Let's go watch. And so we fly down the mountain. And we're going fast we get there just in time to see my dad, who is a very large and very strong man, get in this dude's face. And I won't say that he was polite, but he was very clear that uh, this guy was never to touch his son again. That this guy was never to talk to his son again. And if he ever saw him do that again, that he would have to deal with my father. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday. That moment is seared into my memory. Why? Because in that moment, I saw my dad's power and my dad's love collide. And the result in my heart was confidence. The result in my heart was confidence. And for the rest of the trip, I'm just on the slope, like I dare you to touch me, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like if you touch me, you're gonna have to deal with Papa Tarf, right? I was confident, why? Had anything changed in me, Absolutely not. I was still the same 12-year-old punk kid, absolutely helpless. But something had changed in the way that I'd seen my father. I saw his strength. I saw his might. But I also saw his love, and it brought confidence to me. Not confidence in myself, but confidence in him. And that is what Psalm 124 is meant to do for you. Psalm 124 is meant to remind you of God's power. It's meant to remind you of God's love. It's meant to remind you of God's deliverance in the past so that you can be confident in the present. God's past deliverance empowers our present confidence. We need to be real and honest in this place this morning and recognize that on our own, we have no reason for confidence. We can do nothing on our own. We can do nothing lasting apart from God, but we don't have to be apart from God. That is the hope of the believer that God is with us. And whenever we remember his deliverance in the past, it empowers us to be confident in the present to continue to live the life that he has called us to. And that's what I want for us. This morning, I want this place in which we gather to be a place in which we come together and we are consistently reminding one another of the power and the glory of our God. Here's the deal, Prince. I don't wanna play the church game anymore. I don't wanna just come in here, put on nice clothes, put a smile on the face and act like everything's okay all the time. The world's on fire. There is darkness. There is evil in our world. I don't wanna play the church game anymore. I want to be a part of the people of God who come into this place and who are reminded of our real powerful God that we can be in relationship with. That's what I want these these times to be. I want this morning, right now, to be a tangible reminder to you of God's faithfulness in the past, of his provision, of his power, of his deliverance. Even right now, I am hoping and I am praying that as we talk about these things, that it would trigger memories in your mind, memories in your own life, where you have seen God be faithful to you, where you have experienced God's power in very real and very tangible ways. I want this to trigger memories where you've seen God do things in your marriages, in your career, in your families, in the life of your kids. I want you to remember times where you personally have tasted and seen the glory and the power of our God. And I want those memories to fuel you in the present. Because you are called to something great. You are called to be the people of God. You are called to be salt and light in a dark and dying world. And if you're going to step into that, if you're going to step into that calling on your life, you need to be reminded of God's faithfulness and of God's power so that you can be confident in the present. Because life is hard. This journey that we are on is difficult, We will face trouble. We will face obstacles. But in the midst of our circumstances, I want us to be a people who consistently rally together and encourage one another to lift our eyes off of our circumstance and to behold our God. And to remember that in the darkest of circumstances, we are never alone. I want this to be a place where we offer genuine encouragement. And we point people to Jesus, where we don't offer cliche sayings or, you know, pithy advice or anything like that. But we offer real, genuine faith. And we remind each other of God's past deliverance so that we can be confident in the present. You see, the danger that i think many of us fall into whenever we start walking through a difficult season in life whenever we come up against an obstacle whenever we face trouble or we face hardship or pain is we tend to have one or two reactions whenever we're walking through a season like that we tend to either either retreat inward or we explode outward We either retreat inward and we just curl up and we accept defeat and we just believe that nothing's ever going to change and we wallow in our own self-pity and despair or we explode outward and we're angry and we try to change things by our own power and we get frustrated and we take things out on those that are around us. But I want you to hear me that this Psalm 124 is an invitation not to retreat inward Or to explode outward, but to look heavenward, to look heavenward, to pause long enough to look to God. That yes, we acknowledge the reality of the problems that we face, but we also pause long enough to consider the magnitude of our God. You see, this psalm, it ends by saying, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's a reminder of God's power, even there at the end. This is intentional. It's a reminder that everything that we see, everything that we experience, everything that we know is all under the sovereign control of our heavenly Father. And we can take confidence in that because we know that, yes, we will face trouble in this life. And there will be moments in which we feel utterly powerless. But in the moments where we are most powerless, our God is all powerful. And we can take confidence in him because we know that deliverance is not a problem for the King of Kings. He has all power. He has all authority. He has all might. And our deliverance is secure if we belong to him. And we can have confidence that every part of our lives, every part of our lives, is in his hands. I want you to hear me really clearly here. I think this is really important because as we start talking about deliverance and God delivering his people, that may strike a chord for some of you who are walking through difficulty and you may say, well, I'm I'm not experiencing any deliverance from God right now. I want you to hear me say that I'm not telling you that if you simply remember God's faithfulness and believe hard enough in the present that God's just gonna immediately deliver you from all your problems. I'm not telling you that. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to trivialize any pain or any darkness or any problem that anyone is walking through in this place. Because here's the deal. Sometimes deliverance comes quickly and sometimes it doesn't. But I want to encourage you this morning that true deliverance, lasting deliverance, eternal deliverance, isn't just found in a change of circumstance. No, that kind of deliverance is only found in the presence of God. And what the Psalm is trying to remind us of this morning is that God is present with his people. And the beautiful reality for us in this room today is that whenever we read this Psalm, we do so on the other side of the cross. We do so knowing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And whenever we reflect, we don't just reflect on the things that this psalm talks about. We reflect on all that God has done through the life and death of Jesus Christ. And we reflect and we remember passages of scripture like Romans chapter 8. And I don't have time to read all of Romans 8 to you. I would encourage you to go home and read that this afternoon. But I'm going to read you a few short verses here. Romans 8 verse 31 says, What then shall we say? to these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what that is? That's the New Testament version of Psalm 124. That's the New Testament version of saying, hey, people of God, if it had not had been for Jesus, we would all be destroyed. But we have Jesus. We know what he has done. This is a calling for us to reflect, to look back, to remember so that we can continue to move forward. But here's the deal. We don't just reflect back on a battle that took place in the Valley of Elah. We don't just reflect back on a battle that took place with the Philistines. We reflect back and we think about a battle that took place on the hill of Calvary. We reflect back and we look back on a battle in which Jesus took on death and hell and the tomb and defeated the powers of evil once and for all. We look back and we remember that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, left heaven, took on flesh and dwelt among us that he lived a perfect and sinless life which none of us ever could do and at the end of his life that he surrendered his life taking the very wrath of God standing in our place so that if we trust and follow him we can stand in his that we can receive forgiveness that we can receive salvation so that we can receive eternal deliverance That's what we remember this morning. This is the gospel. Without God, we are all utterly powerless. But with God, we can receive salvation and we can walk in new life. Jesus is the one that paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we may live. And our hope, our confidence is in him, regardless of what life may throw our way. And so no. We may not experience immediate deliverance, but we can have confidence that even in the most difficult of moments, we have confidence because we know that one day our God will restore and redeem all things. In our past, we were delivered. Our future is secure so we can be confident in our present. Our God is with us. Our God is for us and our God will never forsake his own. I wanna close with this. As I was just praying and studying and preparing for this week, one of my favorite hymns just kept coming to mind. And one of my favorite hymns is, is Come Thou Fount. I imagine that many of you know that song. And there was one line that just kept reverberating in my mind this week. And it was the line, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy great help I've come. I sang that song for years growing up. But to be honest with you, I never knew what the word Ebenezer meant. That wasn't in my normal vernacular. I didn't know what it meant until I came to college. And I learned that Ebenezer is a tangible reminder of God's faithfulness. That we first see that term used in First Samuel chapter 7 where God delivers the people of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And the prophet Samuel, he takes a stone and he sets it up and he calls it Ebenezer, which literally translates to stone of help. And he placed it there as a tangible reminder to the people of God of God's faithfulness in the past to remind them that their deliverance wasn't just by their own might their deliverance wasn't just because of their own power, that their deliverance was because of him alone, to remind them of what God had done in the past so they could continue to be confident in the present. My prayer for you is that Psalm 124 would become an Ebenezer for you, that it would encourage you, even in the most difficult seasons of life, to pause, to reflect, and to remember God's faithfulness in the past, and as you reflect and remember God's deliverance in the past, I'm praying that you have confidence in the future. Consider the power of the cross. Don't let the cross just become some glorified decoration to you. Let it be an Ebenezer, a reminder that God is for you, that if you belong to Jesus, if you surrendered your life to him, your God is with you your God is for you and you never have to walk alone. God's past deliverance empowers our present confidence. I'm praying that we would be confident people and step into all that God has for us. Would you pray with me?